0: As you know, I never, ever, 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 ever like to get up here and decide on my own behalf what I'm going to preach. It's always, I I always tell the bosses, you know, you give me the list. And I cop this one, spending time with God. It is definitely not a sermon I would preach if you asked me to preach a sermon. This is not a strong point for me. I am not a five o'clock in the morning person. I don't know what thoughts you might have, but I'm pretty sure you wouldn't even have those thoughts. At five o'clock in the morning, I'm on my knees, in my prayer room. It it just doesn't work. It never has worked like that with me. I do do the mountain things. I do all kinds of things, but my quiet time with God is often really rowdy. But nevertheless, I've had some amazing times with God, especially when I lived in Williamstown and worked in Dandenong for 12 years years commuting and a lot of people i mean it's how stupid commuting opposite the traffic for so long i mean i love my job so i love what i was doing but do you know how many times god and i had a wow of a time in that car stuck in traffic serious it's it it, i saw you just get slapped there that's what you do too isn't it because we've talked about it. driving over the bridge when you drive in that direction you're looking at the sunrise, and then on the way back, the sunset. So just that alone, sometimes driving over the bridge going, God, you are amazing! At just the way the sun would look, especially about this time of year, coming up over. Anyway, that's the preamble. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> so if this doesn't rate on Texas sermons, I'm, I'm happy with that. But I love, I love changing the status quo, man. That, that, I like that. That's really good and challenging. So the mountaintop. And, uh, and of course, the obvious scripture, not that that there's no mountains in Israel that quite look like that, but let's just imagine Jesus sitting on a mountain. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. I'm sure we all know that story. Jesus is with the multitudes. He's working. It's just like us. We work, we work, we work. We give, we give, we give. And sometimes we've just had enough giving. And that's what Jesus just said. That's it, shops closed, done, go. And it's actually quite a miracle when you think about it. I mean, people were getting healed. All this miraculous, so multitudes were following him, yet he had the ability to tell them to shush off. Think of that. That's not easy, especially when there was, it's not like there was a train leaving in five minutes and the la- you've got to be on the last train, you know, leaving Galilee. Galilee. It's like all this multitude had left their homes and were following him. You know what I mean? You, I often, you know, that's the kind of thing I think about. How Jesus actually got rid of the people, but it was so important that he did. And it says he went up on the mountain, and it was still daytime, because it says he went up on the mountain, and then the ev- and by the evening he was still there. And that's when that whole thing happens, it's in the dark. He's up on the mountain, and of course the mountain was just one of the small mountains on the side of Galilee. And that whole thing that he could see across the lake, you know, as the sun was setting, he would have been able to see the multitude walking around the north of the lake. You know, when you see Galilee and how small it is, you get the picture, don't you? (laughs) You get the picture of how this played out. So it was so important to Jesus that he got time alone. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we can over-spiritualise that that when we have time alone and we go away to recharge our batteries, we've got to pray and fast? Sometimes you need a holiday where you're glutton out, don't you, to recharge your batteries. This wasn't, I don't for any man believe that when it says that he went up the mountain to pray, that that was all it was about for Jesus. This is Jesus getting time alone, just like nearly all of us needed at some point or other, don't we? Just to get alone and recharge our batteries. And sitting up on top of the mountain watching the sun set over Galilee, it don't look any better, especially if you're a Jew. <laughs> it is so precious. I mean, not that Galilee is so precious. Being down in Jerusalem would be better. But for Jesus, being in Galilee where all the people were from all kinds of races, from all around. So a very special time. So where's your special place? Is it, is it that? Is it the green? Isn't it wonderful to walk through green whenever I walk through green with Karen all I see is her getting a picture of a leaf or a picture of a bug or a picture of this and putting it up on Instagram she's a micro I'm a macro <laughs> I take the, the landscapes and the uh, so are you green or are you one of these people you'd love to be isolated on a boat on your own out I mean that guy throw your water, mobile phone into the water and that's it you're alone hey are you that kind of person that when you need to recharge and you really want to believe that you can just connect with God, just, just, just without the clutter, would you maybe do that? Or maybe you're like my wife. Can you see her there? Even she can't find it. Over here, I can see the her. I'm going to get clubbed for this. But whenever we go to the beach, it's like goodbye, Karen. <laughs> Because I ain't going to go for a walk on the sand. Are you, are you that person? Whenever we do holidays up in Queensland, where half my family live, in the morning, 6 o'clock, she'll be up with the sun and walk and won't be back till 10 o'clock. That's my quiet time. <laughs> when I get on the computer, find a cafe with the Wi-Fi and start writing my book. <laughs> we each have different ways, don't we? If I, for me, a quiet time's... Anyway, let's not go there. For me, a quiet time's this. And this afternoon I'm doing this. I'm driving up to Castle Main. You'll hear, if you live nearby, two steam engines coming back from Castle Main this afternoon. That's my quiet time. A lot of people go, oh, yeah, sure. Sometimes you're waiting two hours on a frozen mountain. I've been going down to Tarelgon every week, chasing this special trip down to Tarelgon. And you're rugged up and freezing cold. But that's my charging time. And it might be two hours until the train comes. And... That's how I recharge my batteries and, ha- and we had to have a steam engine picture in the sermon. <laughs> it's all about relationship and intimacy, isn't it? It's all about the idea with God of withdrawing and, and getting into a special place with God. And, and most, most of you, I'd say, have done it, haven't you? You can think back now. Was it at five o'clock this morning? It wasn't at three o'clock this morning when I was still trying to work out what he was telling me to preach. But sometimes it's a soft time, a quiet time. sometimes it's maybe not so soft, but it's all about relationship and intimacy. And if we use the right words, if I was going to get this out of a concordance, or get, you know, just Google, spending time with God.com, this is what we'd come up with, isn't it? spiritual prayerful meditative mindfulness and of course the word of god for me if i'm serious serious about really wanting to hear from god i put a pen in the hand i get the bible and have a pen in my hand if i don't have a pen in my hand i'm not serious i've got to be able to i've got to be able to go deeper and i'll write notes and that's why as you've seen my favorite bible is just covered in notes and it's wonderful to look back at the note, Oh yeah, I remember when God said that Oh yeah, that time when God said that to me. It's it's like a diary of me and God. So for me, if I really seriously want to, you know, really throw something past God or just say, Hey God, talk to me, it's with a pen because that's I want something I want something more and I want something to stick and when you write it, it, it is more, it does stick than just anyway, once again, that's just me. I don't know how you do it, meditative. Mindfulness is an interesting word, mindfulness. So meditative is thinking, isn't it? Like eyes closed and, you know, this stupid way you hold your hands, I don't know, cross your legs, whatever. But being meditating on God is when, you know, you, you really are just thinking and meditating on God. That's good, I'm hopeless at that. I argue, I wrestle, I ask. I, I, man, if I was sitting with Jesus, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, gee, you're beautiful. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Girls might be good at that. Oh, Lord, I love you, I love you. That worshipful kind of experience with God. With me, if I was sitting with Jesus, I'd just be pumping him with questions, wouldn't I? Until he'd tell me to shut up, Tex. How about I say something? Okay. But that's what I'd be doing. Mindfulness, thinking about God. How are you... Uh, you know, you get to work. Does Jesus ever get a look in at work or he's so busy at home or are we so busy? Mindfulness, that's, that's kind of having a, a consciousness of God. Anyway, that's .com, spending time with God. But what about spending time with God when I'm not spending time with God? And here the PowerPoints don't have pictures because I just couldn't find anything that joined with it. And I'm serious. I have wrestled with the next four or five PowerPoints. I have gone down so many different angles of this sermon. I've had a real terrible time with God (laughs) to work this one out. Um, So I'm not holding back there and it's just black and white. What about when I'm not spending time with God? I have spent a lot of time with leadership, with church, as you know, my my career has been working in Christian ministry, Uh, not so much as a pastor, but a video editor, musician, whatever. So I've often had a look in behind the door, and oh boy, those of us who know what it's like to be behind the door, even in a big ministry, small ministry, sometimes behind the door you see things you don't want to see. And one of the biggest riddles, that I have wondered about, and you're going to hear in a month's time I'm preaching on worship. Isn't it funny? Worship's my main thing, yet I've never preached on worship in the church. Uh, but I am in a month's time, and I'm, this is a bit of a precursor to what, and you, you'll hear the testimony in that of what happened to me uh, like, I mean, I was a musician. I was a professional musician brought into the church in 1985 was friends with Jeff Bullock, with Darlene Check, with the Hillsong thing. I was the first person to stage dive at Hillsong and land at the feet of Brian Houston, you know. Uh, Like, I was a muso of musos and well known for that, and yet God took me away from music. It was, uh, yet I'm still a muso, but a weird experience, um, a very strange experience. And a lot of it is based on this. I didn't see the integrity of music for all the glory that it was given. If, because that's all spending time with God. It is so easy to worship God. Worshiping God is not hard, is it? To love a song. I mean, you know what I mean? What effort does that take? And as a musician, you know, we get so caught up with flipping music. Ah! This riddle came to me. What about when it's not easy? What about when the pressure's on? What about when all hell is breaking loose around me? That's when I want intimacy with God. That's when I want to see it. When the band, when everything's going wrong with the band. And usually musos are the pouting, little mangy pandy beep beep bib Musos are the ones who want the back perfect. I have worked with unbelievable people who are so childish about music, it used to drive me insane. That you can't have a good worship service if the fallback's not right. Get over it, You know what I mean? Like, as a pro-muso, I just... Ah! It was... I, yeah. And, I, and honestly, I separated myself from it. I just couldn't reconcile. Also, what I was seeing in leadership to reconcile this. When we're spiritual, when we're in church, I don't measure your Christianity with what I see in this church. It means nothing. Our Christianity is not measured inside this building. This building is our refuge. This building is when we come together and punch each other, isn't it? And, and enjoy each other for who we are, knowing that we're all the same. We're, we're hopeless. Just as, We need God. We need the cross. And when we all come together, we go... And we relax in church for a couple of hours. And usually the coffee's the best time because we chat, we offload something, and we just do What? Fellowship. We just hold each other and it's fantastic. No matter how, you know what I mean? No matter how great the time is in here, our fellowship is so important, isn't it? But we can't measure our Christianity by what goes on in here, and if anyone does, they're getting a completely wrong picture. Where we measure our Christianity is when the pressure's on in the traffic and someone's just cut me off. What do I say? What do I do? Don't we? That's when we measure our Christianity. And imagine imagine in our little railway club yesterday, they come up with this little thing, you know, we drive steam engines around this track, right? And when you've got public, you're not allowed to go too quick, but when the public aren't there, you can fly in your little steam engine, like I was yesterday afternoon. Anyway, transgressors, get back, get back, get back. They gave us a little metre that you can put on your engine and it works on GPS and tells you what speed you're doing. (laughs) And I'm sitting there and I'm, yeah, I know, I'm thinking, man, that's just insane. I've got this little steam engine. The last thing I want to do is look at how fast I'm going. Mind you, they can go really fast. Anyway, get back text. Imagine if there was a little metre I could put on you and it measured your intimacy with God through the week and when it all came back, we put the score up. (laughs) Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we could seriously do that? That would be so damn convicting <laughs> wouldn't we we just sit here we, what what happened first of all how would you measure it how would you measure this you know if we all said how many hours did we spend in prayer you know what i mean and we could easily measure it we could easily get convicted and we could say well this person did so we'll say the people who had really good prayer times and got a word from god did really well up on the top one But once again, most of us in this room know the Bible pretty well, isn't it? It's not how well we know our Bible, it's how the Bible affects me. When the pressure's on at work and all I want to do is slap someone. When the pressure's on at home and all I want to do is just walk away from my family and disown them. (laughs) You know what I mean? When the pressure's on amongst my friendships and that's when the rubber hits the road. So, the last few slides. Karen and I were wrestling it through and talking about it. We've been talking about this a lot. And I really believe this. I mean, it looks like it's off in a completely different direction. But when you know the Old Testament, when you know the heart of God, and when you look at the New Testament, when you look at the whole idea of God and his relationship with people, this just keeps coming back and slapping you in the face all through Scripture. It is not about sacrifice. Now, you know... This is really bizarre, but this has really spoken to me this week. I used to think it meant obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, you don't need sacrifice, you just need obedience. Do you know what I mean? Either or and, that whole riddle. I've always looked at it and thought about, yes, oh yes, obedience, obedience, obedience. But when you look at it, no, no, no. You always need sacrifice. God knows in his relationship with us that he always needs sacrifice. There always needs to be blood. The cross, once again, Christianity, Christ died for all of us, the Old Testament, the rams. But it's not saying obedience is in in place of So you get what I'm saying? What it means is, his sacrifice, it's the pillar of the beginning of a relationship with God. Where's the depth? ...of the relationship with God. What does He want to talk about with us? What does He want to interact with us? It's not about sacrifice. He's written the law. The law in the Old Testament was the fat of rams, blah, 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 Leviticus. The law in the New Testament is the cross, is Christ, what we celebrate here. So, as far as God's concerned, He doesn't need to interact with us about sacrifice. Get over your sin. I've talked about that many a time, haven't I, from this place? Get over your sin. Your sin should not be a blockage to the reality of a full relationship in Christ. And that is what? Obedience. That's where he wants to interact with us. That's where, if the little measuring thing was being put on us, that's where I think God would be saying, "Okay, let's talk, let's talk. Where where are we really at in our Christianity today? Is it how much you've prayed is it how much we prayed how much you know what i mean how much worship we and once again let me sorry to go, there's so many people that think because we sing seeing song in our car hour after hour after hour that that is intimacy with god i'm sorry i will get my bible and teach you for hours and hours and hours that is not what i'm talking about intimacy with god that is a lovely song it is mindful prayerful spiritual it's neat it's tidy it's sweet And if you love Hillsong or whatever music you like, that's great, but it ain't your relationship with God. And if you think it is, you're missing out on all the fun. Because over here is when you get out of the car, you turn the Hillsong off and you go to work, and you know what? Some of the greatest people I know to be over there listening to their Hillsong, when I listen to them talk at work, mm -mm. get it? Because no matter how well you sing Hillsong, very rarely does it actually affect the way that you talk to people when you're at work. Man, I'm smashing them down, aren't I, the cows today? But get it? It's over here that God wants to interact with us. It's over here in obedience. Think now. I know this is terribly convicting. What should you have done that you haven't done just recently? What, this is the one that gets me. What did he ask me to do 20 years ago that I still haven't done? Oh, boy. that I hate that. Is there something I could have done way back then and I You know what I mean? And I just didn't do it. Does that mean he writes us off? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that God is still over here wanting to interact and wanting to keep us obeying because, sadly, we never always get it right, do we? We need to be kept on the road of obedience. You know what I mean? It's not natural. That's why right now, if you're thinking about this, it's darn convicting. Because it's not natural to obey the voice of God. It's not natural. That's where it takes a lot of work. It takes the spirit of God. It takes getting the sacrifice right. And then through the spirit of God, being in a position where he says, and this is where I want to finish. Intimacy and good relationship. Think about marriage. Think about the greatest relationships you have doing what is necessary, doing what is right, what is good, what is giving, what is kind, what is caring and invaluable. No one would disagree that if you approach a marriage or approach any relationship, with that in mind, you'll do well, yeah? What about when you don't feel like it? (laughs) Because it's really easy to agree to that, that yes, that is what builds a wonderful relationship, and I can build a wonderful relationship with God when everything's good, when everything's caring, when everything's nice, when God's talking to me nice, when God's telling me to do nice things, it's all fine. But what about when we get over here? I don't want to obey that, Lord. I don't want to stop working at that place. I don't want to hand in my, you know, I'm talking serious obedience stuff here. I don't want to stay in that church that don't do things as good as what I think they should do. Ever had that one? Man, I've had that one. I've been slapped by pastors, man, my bosses. Seriously. Even really early, Karen could remember when we got slapped, you know, because we wanted to leave a church. Why? Because it wasn't good enough, the usual reason. Yeah, I mean, we all blame God for the whole thing, but it's one of the hardest things to do to get Christians to seriously obey God, isn't it? in pastoral ministry, when it's just an opinion about something that's happened in church. It's, it's incredible, isn't it, when you don't feel like we've made some of the worst decisions, haven't we, based on the fact that my gut, oh, how do I know, Bob? how do I know, how do I know? Can you see now why it's so important to have a relationship with God in this place called obedience, so that when he does say something that's outrageously different, we will obey There's some times in Scripture that it's just absurd when God said, like, to go up and sacrifice your son. He picks up the knife, he's about to ram it in. Oh, now stop. We'd all be going, get away from me, Satan. (laughs) Dead Isaac. You know what I mean? In that point of obedience. Okay. This is the Christian version of what John Banash said. I don't care that you obey my commands when you agree with me. I want to know that you will obey my commands when you don't agree with me. That's the great John Monash, Monash Freeway, Monash University, General of World War One. Uh, that's the nicer version of what he said to his men. But this is actually he actually said this to his guys at a time just before the Battle of Amiens. I don't care that you obey me when you agree with me. Think of it. Of course, we're going to obey God when we agree with what He's saying. Yeah. But it's when we disagree. So I leave you with this thought. What are you like with friends, with family, with spouse, with anybody, when you disagree with them, but you stick around? Isn't that that the ultimate place of relationship with God? That you completely disagree with something, and yet in your guts, you stick with it. You obey, whether it's the pastor, whether it's your boss at work, when you completely disagree. Now, we've got to be sensitive because once again, this is where God, there's times when we do have to say, no, no, that is not biblical. No, you're asking me to do something. No, I'm not going to. You know what I mean? There's got to be a time where God can speak to you once again in this intimacy, in the difficulty of a difficult situation and say, no, don't put the knife down. Stop now. Stop now. Text, stop now. Text, stop now. Or text, go now. Text, go now. Yes, leave now. Yes, do that now. Am I making sense? Oh, wow. I'm surprised. (laughs) It's three o'clock this morning. Seriously. That's why these are black and white slides. I just couldn't get it together. So to change the status quo, I believe we've got to forget the simplicity and niceties and I'm pretty sure that's what Jono felt God was saying to him too. He said, let's be a mature church because there's some changes coming up. If you can't smell it, well, take it from me. Because God has really got his hand on this church. He has had for 150 years and the future is going to look different. I can see it's, it's, it's going to be so exciting what God has already done. But to change the status quo means it's got to be done at this point here in obedience. It's got to be done together with God and it'll happen personally. It'll, there'll be some things you disagree with. Ah, what about a board meeting when it's half and half and you can't just do a quick vote and it's all solved, it's all fixed. Oh, Janet, there'll be some, there's going to be some interesting <laughs> board meetings. There's going to be some, in, oh, I'm not jingling you out. I just turned this way and saw your face. Where's another board? Look, Frank's going down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. If we're all together over in here, it's a good thing. But it, but it is tough, obeying. So can I pray and close this one off and hand you back to some people who know what they're doing? Father God, Father, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you are so with us. You have told us that you would never turn your back on us. You will never leave us nor forsake us, even when we do get it wrong, when we do disobey or just make a mistake, get it wrong. We just thank you that you are so full of love, relationship, depth, that, Lord, you can outlove us all the time. And we pray as a congregation, Lord, as a group of your people, Lead us, guide us, help us to obey, help us to do what you're asking us to do in these next one, two, three years that we might live out the destiny that you have placed on us individually and the destiny that you have placed on us as a church, as a congregation, as your community. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.